You are listening to an MLGA Network podcast. Hello, this is Jesse from Voluntary Vixens, and I have Maddie here with me. Maddie? Uh, not, nope, not, not really. What? I, I don't have sage. <laughs> I don't, ha- I don't do yoga. I damn sure don't do yoga. Is this David from Morning Drive with David? Yes, it is. Oh, okay. So I guess we'll have to wing it with you today. <laughs> well, I mean, I was taking a nap, but all of a sudden I woke up and boom, there you are. Oh, okay. So, what's up? <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Voluntary Vixens, where Jesse and Maddie give a female voice to news and pop culture with a libertarian twist. Join us to stay informed and challenged while keeping it sane, peaceful, and most importantly, voluntary. Today, I was thinking that we could kind of talk about uh, the Department of Children's Services, since that seems to be uh, a topic that you're pretty familiar with in your situation. Yeah. If you want to kind of give us a little bit of a background on what you can tell us on your situation. All right. Well, um, legally, I'm not allowed to talk about the details and whatnot of the case, but I am a foster parent. I've been fostering kids for uh, two years now. Well, about two years. It'll be two years Thanksgiving. And uh, so, yeah, I deal with DCS or CPS or whatever you want to call them um, every month. Yeah. I mean... It hasn't been that bad of a of a thing. It's more of a hassle than anything. They, I don't know. I've always had mixed feelings about DCS. Yeah, me too. Um, you know, I used to work as a therapist at a at a psychiatric hospital on the children's wing, so we got to see some pretty horrific cases. So I've listened to um, Tom Woods talk about how how CPS or DCS gets involved in people's lives over little things like uh, marijuana possession or something like that. And then, you know, all of a sudden these parents who are otherwise normal parents losing custody of their kids. But my experience has been almost the opposite. I don't know if yours is kind of, but I've had kids who had visible signs of physical and sexual abuse on them. And we've had to release them back to their parents because you know, we can't hold them by law. Um, we've made multiple, I remember making multiple uh, reports on some kids and it took forever for DCS to finally step in and take the kids out. So I don't know, is that kind of what you've seen? Uh, yeah, I mean, like to be a foster parent, I had to go through a ton of classes. I mean, it was a real big hassle, but um some of the stories I heard from them, some of them were like minor things like, um, well, what, what I would consider minor for having your kids taken away, uh, stuff like, um, you know, I don't know, missing school a little bit or, you know, they come in there like truancy. Truancy has been a bit, uh, that was a couple of cases, um, to all the way up to, you know, sexual assault. Right. And, you know, I just always wondered, you know, how... Well, my experience is is that they what they do is they'll take the kids out of out of um, 
possession of the parents and then place them in a home. And the first thing they'll do is look for a kinship home, which is family or, or a close family friend. And once they're done that, then they go through a permanency plan. And in the classes, the foster parents are taught, you know, your main goal is reunification with the parents to, to, to help out the parents and help out the kids. And you're trying to get them back in that home. Mm-hmm. And you're, you're not like you're fighting for custody or something. And then um, what, what happened with that is uh, the, the permanency plan, the, the DCS, the, the courts, all them lay out a list of things that if it's a possibility for the parents to get them back, they have to do these things to get them back. And it's, it's a lot of stuff. I mean, there's a lot of counseling involved and stuff like that. And, um, if they don't do those things, cause they don't, it don't, they're not going to hand you a big list of things you got to do. They, they'll start you out with like, say 10 things and then you do those and then they'll add some more to it. They don't want to bombard them with, you know, you got to do all this crap. Mm-hmm. So they give them some manageable things first to try to, it's a snowball thing. And then once they get all the stuff done, then, you know, you go to court, DCS says, okay, they've met all these requirements. Excuse me. And then the judge will say, okay, well, I'll release them back into your custody or you're, they'll, they'll, they'll decide what to do. And, um, but if they don't, then after a while, DCS is sort of, um, I want to say forced to, to file a termination of parental rights with the court. But they just, um, because I know states don't want to keep the children in their custody for too long. Yep. They want to get them back with their parents or, or into a, into an adoptive home. So, I mean, that, that's been where I'm at right now is, as far as what I've seen the process. Yeah. I, I think my experience might be a little bit dated because I think it was back in 2005, through 2008 that I was working, uh, maybe longer than that. I want to say 2000, maybe 2009 that I was, uh, working at the psychiatric hospital and working with all these kids. And, um, back then group homes were still a thing. And I think that they're phasing group homes out because of just all the horrific abuse that's happened at some of these places and, and neglect even, um, they still have some in my town, like me and David both live in Tennessee, so I don't know if it's any different in another state, but um, there's still a few group homes in the town I live in, which they're very specialized. Like I know one is a group home for teen moms and they get like prenatal care. They, they you know, try to take care of them, keep them off drugs, that kind of thing. Um, but they can still leave uh, and, and sometimes they even run away. So that's always been a problem with group homes in the past is kids would just run away, try to go to a, a family member's house. Um, but now, like you're saying, they try to do more of the foster care. And you guys are one of the good foster homes. I've I've dealt with some pretty horrific foster families before that I'm surprised the state even lets them have kids. <laughs> And I I don't understand how they get bad foster homes. I mean, it's a pretty strenuous. I mean, you got to be sneaky. Yeah, because I mean, they that's what it is. I have I have not only the the caseworker for the kids that come in my house, but I have uh, I I can't remember what she's called her, but I have two different people that come into my house every month. Mm-hmm. 
and you know I'm, I meet them here they go through the house they ask questions they visit with the kids what the caseworker does i mean it's you would have to be I, I i don't know i mean of course they've came in my house before and you know i got i got three kids of my own you know so i'm mm-hmm. i got well one of them's moved out so i guess you could say five and you know so my house is never spotless you know it's it's <laughs> I got three kids under, you know, the the three little ones are all under the age of eight. So, I mean, it's, I got toys everywhere. I got, and at least the clothes that I have on my couch are folded and clean. I mean, that's a plus. But, I mean, they don't, and they'll come in and they'll be like, oh, this is nothing. This looks really good, especially for the amount of kids you got and you both got full-time jobs. So, I mean, it's, it's hectic as hell. So, I don't understand how anybody could possibly have a horrible foster home and still, managed to, to to fool the state i mean i never understood that one at all. i mean i know there are bad foster homes out there i've seen kids grow up in them i think that well I, i'm hoping that things are getting better but i know that in the case of um some of the things i've seen i think that it the foster homes are only as good as the dcs worker that's coming in and checking on them so that's true um i've seen some pretty lazy D- dcs workers Um, who are totally, they just, I mean, and I don't blame them. I mean, I had a kid who, um, the parents gave up custody of, they adopted this little girl and then they gave up custody of her because she almost burned the house down. Dang. So I can kind of understand it's, there are some kids that are hard to place, um, for many, many reasons. So you're kind of just like trying to stick them somewhere that will take them. And there really are some places, some homes that they like getting that, that state money for doing nothing. And they'll take like 13 kids and they'll just barely provide whatever the kids want to, and pocket the money. So um, I've seen that many times, but my biggest problem with DCS has always just been getting them to step in when there's the, when, when there's, proof of abuse. I mean, I've had kids with bruises on them. Um, we've had some kids co come in and have pelvic exams and it showed that there was something that was happening to them. Um, and DCS just like, it's like pulling teeth just to get them to open an investigation on some of these kids. Um, so I remember sitting in on a meeting and there, I don't know if they still do this, but they will have um, these meetings where they'll uh, they'll talk about different cases. And I can't really, you know, obviously talk about all the cases in detail. But there was um, I remember this one particular case, this little girl was talking about in detail to her DCS worker um, pornographic movies that she was seeing or, you know, there's no reason why a fi- why a, a five year old girl should even have that knowledge. No, no, not at all. And they were thinking, well, we d- we don't need to investigate this because she doesn't have any signs of being abused. And we're thinking, like, of course she had. She just told you the sign. <laughs> what five year old is going to talk about these things? So that makes you real. It makes you realize how idiotic some of these state workers are that are. Oh, yeah. Put in charge of our children. Well, that and I know that the you know from from the past two years, I know that the turnaround, especially with caseworkers, there is a lot of turnover. I mean, the first year, I think we had two or three caseworkers, you know, and sometimes you know some might some are going to fall through the cracks, and that's a sad thing. Mm-hmm. And I know, like you know, you and I both 
are, you know, for for lack of a better word, libertarian. Mm-hmm. And it's, I've always had an issue with, you know, to me it's always been legalized kidnapping. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It, it's kind of like, because that's what they do. They come to your house, they take your kids without your consent. And if I did that, I would be arrested. But they're okay to do it. And, but now I'm a foster parent, you know, I'm, I'm in the system, a part of it. So it's kind of like, I, I don't know how to, um, make that work in my brain on how yeah. I can be okay with it and against it all at the same time. And like you said, there, there are cases out there where I've seen kids. I'm like, why are they still with their parents? And, you know, they're, they're obviously abused. They're, you know, you go to shake their hand and they, flinch away from you and you know all kinds of stuff like that and i i mean yeah every kid can get that gum aggravating mm-hmm. but i mean and, and yeah i get on my kids a lot especially in the mornings when none of them want to move but yeah i'm like <laughs> but i'm not I, I but they're still kids they still have fun they still you know I, they still climb up in my lap they still watch tv with me they play games so it's not like they're scared of me and, but you'll see kids that you could tell are obviously scared of whoever they're with. And I, I know some that have had DCS called on them and nothing is done. Yeah. It, I, I just, I think that's my biggest frustration. And I, I actually feel like libertarians don't really talk about that side of it enough because it, it ruins the argument that the state needs to be involved in it. Because, you know, you're saying, well, we clearly have signs of abuse and no one's stepping in to do anything about it. And, um, you know, why isn't somebody stepping in? Somebody needs to. I mean, we libertarians, you know, like you just said, for lack of a better word, we believe in the non-aggression principle. So if we do have a state, shouldn't it be to protect the children from abuse? You would say yes, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if not them, who's going to do it? I mean, otherwise, we'll have to, like, form a gang. <laughs> yeah, and see, here's you know? <laughs> the problem, too. If you try to privatize that, like, say you, you have a private company that goes in and takes kids away from their parents' stuff. All right, so it'd be the same thing, but who's going to oversee it? Who's mm-hmm. going to, you know, to me, that's where it's at, because I'm like, okay, so you, that just opens up, like, a freaking organization for sex trafficking right there. You know, I like your kid. I'm going to take your kid. And you sell them off to the highest bidder, and there's no regulation. Nobody check up on you. Nobody like, hey, where's this kid at? Because yeah. if one thing DCS absolutely loves is their gun paperwork. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it's like, I mean, everything, everything. I mean, like I said, one, one of the kids I have is on multiple medications. And we got to write that down every day, every dose, every day that we give it to them every time. So, it's kind of like, you know. And if they don't, you know, the person, you know, my caseworker is making sure we do it. Somebody's making sure they're making sure that we're doing it. I mean, it is a, a lot of people involved. And but like you said, if not the state, then who? Right. And I I don't know if there's really a good answer for that. And now I do think that, you know, part of the problem could be, you know, I, I know that we've uh, we've had other podcasts talk about, you know, families losing their um, children because uh, somebody found weed in their house or something. So they, you know, they lose their kids. Or um, I, when I was a nurse, uh, a new, a baby nurse, and I was um, helping out on one of the OB floors, they 
DCS came in and threatened this um, new mom that she was going to possibly lose her kids because she tested positive for marijuana. She didn't test positive for like opiates or meth or any of the other stuff, just marijuana. So suddenly, because of that, they're threatening to take her kids away from the get-go. Now that to me is wrong, but that's more or less a law law thing. Like, why do we have laws that are that idiotic and stupid? Yeah. Um, But clearly, it should be illegal to molest your child, physically beat your child, um, commit incest with your child. Like, all those things, we we all, I'm hoping for the love of God, we agree that that's wrong. Yeah, I would think that's mutually agreeable. We should have some kind of uh, legal recourse with that. And, you know, it's hard because I'm an anarchist. I really don't want to have anything, any, you know, rulers at all. But I do feel like... You know, if you're going to live in a society, um, there needs to be some way that you step in to protect the kids. And we know that we're not going to have an anarchist society tomorrow. So what do we do in the meantime? And how do we fight for the kids in the meantime? Yeah, you know? I mean, like you said, the only thing I can think of you could do is like form a, a gang. You got like a neighborhood <laughs> watch and you'd be like, hey, this kid's getting beat up. Let's go kick his parents ass and take the kid from him. But then what do you do with the kid? You know, do you keep the kid? Do you give the kid to somebody else? You know, it, See, I can see that backfiring. I can see that backfiring because the state is so stupid that when you when you actually step in and try to remove the child, then you get arrested, you know. And get your kids taken away from you. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I could totally see that backfiring. So it's got to be, there's got to be a better way. I don't know if somebody, maybe somebody can um, email us and give us some ideas. But for sure, like. You know, I do feel like some of the things that have been a big issue with DCS is that they're not consistent. You know, there will be some parents that lose their kids over something, like you said, like maybe their kid just doesn't go to school. And I think that when you're talking about a child that's 13 or older and they can, they can just not go. Yeah. Why would you lose custody of your kids if they choose to do something dumb? I mean, I don't know. Was well, like also how they're trying to um, make parents, um, I guess, liable for their kids bullying too. Mm-hmm. You know, I, don't, I I really don't understand that one. I'm like, I know if I was if I was headstrong on being a bully growing up, and it didn't matter how many times my daddy whooped my ass, I'm gonna still go be a bully. Mm-hmm. You know, or if he talked to me or took me to counseling or whatever. So I'm trying to figure out how they can, you know, make that correlation. You know, between the whole I'm going to punish you for your kids thing, I, I don't know how that goes. Especially, like you said, once they get a certain age, they're pretty much going to do what the hell they want to do anyway. Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, honestly, I feel like at when once your kid is like 13 years old, maybe even a little bit younger than that, I mean, you, you're done, like, raising them in a sense. Now you're just trying to maintain certain things, you know. Um, you're just- yeah, now you just want to make sure they don't, die before they or get pregnant <laughs> or make sure they don't get pregnant before they get turned 18. Right. So I, yeah, I think that, um, that's something that DCS, I'm not sure really can help those types of situations. And I don't think it's, you know, if you're talking about a kid who just doesn't want to go to school, maybe like in, explore the reasons why that child doesn't want to go to school before you start threatening to take the kids away from their parents. Yeah. You know, uh, let's be a little bit realistic. And then, uh, you know, I don't know if you've been watching the news, but there was that um, 
I don't know, somewhere in Pennsylvania, I can't remember, there's a school in Pennsylvania that they were going to threaten kids, threaten parents with losing their kids if they didn't pay for the lunch fees. Oh, yeah. That, oh. That is just ridiculous. Now, see, that's, that's the one thing I'm glad about, like, I hate that it's come to that. Because I won't even get into the whole talk about the public school system and, and the government. All, with all that aside, everything else aside, everything else that you and I stand for aside, at least in Tennessee, you know, I know my local school is a Title I school. Mm-hmm. They got free school lunches and free breakfast for every kid in there. Mm-hmm. And so, and then some people are like, you know, well, I don't want my tax money going to that. But then again, I'm like, you know what? Sometimes this is the only meal they get. Well, and to make that, put that into more perspective is Tennessee, we do not have an income tax in our state. So how we pay for that is by, by sales tax and, and wheel tax. Like what we pay for our taxes through, um, get buying gas, what we pay through buying products at stores, all of that is how Tennessee collects the tax. So in my mind, I'm like a little bit better off with that because it's almost a voluntary. Yeah. But I mean, and I, and I, that's one thing I, I do say I'm glad about Tennessee is that it is a, it's more of a consumption tax type of deal than a state income tax because God, I hate income tax, period. Oh, and I just thought about that too because we also, our education, a lot of our education is paid through by the Tennessee lottery. So that's also a good yes, thing. Yes, it is. I mean, because I feel like that is a, a, a voluntary tax. Um, I don't know. Think what you will about the lottery, and if you're like anti-gambling or something like that, um, I don't know. <laughs> well, see, that's, that's like in Tennessee, we got the first two years of college, and like even if I'm not mistaken, I haven't really read into it. Like, I could go get, I could go to a Votech school or something and get a certificate, and it's paid for, mm-hmm. as, long as, I, as long as I qualify for it and all that stuff. But that's because of the lottery; it's not coming out of you know the money that is stolen from the populace. Yeah. So that's a little bit better. If more states would go that route, I mean, think about it. We are able to pay for that because through our voluntary taxes, basically, you don't have to you don't have to steal people's incomes to get things done. Um, we do have also, and I think you mentioned this too, where like you know, through the state of Tennessee, um, they pay for uh, some of your one of the kids that you fosters uh, medical stuff. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, that that's that's uh that's ten care though. That's the um, okay. the state healthcare that we have. But yeah, I mean, and I I got to tell you, if it was, I, and that's where I'm torn too. If it wasn't for that, uh, I'd be broke. You know, cause he, he's got like five different specialists over in Vanderbilt. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, I guess we'd have to do GoFundMe's for everything, but I don't think that would be the worst thing in the world. No, it wouldn't. I mean, it, it, it's 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 awfully convenient. Mm-hmm. And but yeah, I mean, if you didn't have to use the state, you know, stuff like that, then it, you could go by finding ways to do it voluntarily, or you, know, you probably qualify for because of your income at the hospital itself for some kind of break, you know. Yeah. But I don't know. I was just thinking for me, like my, I have a son who is autistic and, um, we, he got diagnosed when he was 18 months old and up until the age of three, um, 
It's like Tennessee Early Intervention Services or something is what it was called. Um, T E I S, yeah. They that's what we that's what we have. Yeah, yeah, they got involved in him in him and helping him get speech, and they paid for his speech, his OT, and um, there was another thing that another like school type program that he was in like once a week. So that really helped a lot. It, I mean, we probably could have scraped enough money to do it, but then we would never have money to do anything extra, you know? Oh, yeah. So... I mean, that that's where I get so... To me, that's where our ideals and the stuff we go through kind of clashes. Because mm-hmm. I've dealt with TEIs, too. And I've had two of them with developmental, you know, problems. And, and, and they've helped with OT and, and physical therapy and, you know, all that other stuff. Yeah. Some, you know, it's like you said, you know, yeah, they need it. This isn't something that can just be like, oh, he'll be all right. You know, that's how you ended up with a whole bunch of kids that, you know, dropped out in fourth grade and didn't ever do nothing with their life. I mean. Yeah. But it's kind of like, you know, we don't want the government having to handle all that. But it's also like you said that most of those things could be done if you had a voluntary system to where you would voluntarily fund a group. Mm-hmm. that would take care of Like if TEIS was not part of the government or something and was just a private group that, you know, people donated the money to people, you know, anything is anything is better than the government coming in and stealing your money to fund something. Right. You know, and everybody's always like, you know, why do you want, you know, why are you against this? Why are you against that? And I'm like, I don't want taxes raised, not because I'm against this. Mm-hmm. It's simply because I don't want to give more money to a system that's already wasting the hell out of it. Yeah. I mean, it just doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah. I mean, and I mean, Tennessee definitely has, you know, our our government has its issues with not misusing tax dollars. Um, so I'm not going to sit there and say that we have the best system, but it's um, it's significantly better than where my husband came from. So. And he's from Pennsylvania, and I think it sucks there. <laughs> I got I got family. Mo, I got family in Pennsylvania too, uh, which is sad because we have two members in our uh, network that live there right now. <laughs> One voluntarily moved there. I, know. <laughs> I don't know what the hell's wrong with him. Uh, I I when I first went uh, to I, my husband's from Pittsburgh, so I don't know. Maybe it's better um, where that where uh, Cam and Ryan live, but. Um, well, they're in smaller towns. I know. I know the town they're in. Yeah. Okay. I've been there. Yeah, my husband's from Pittsburgh, so they have their own set of issues. But um, one of the things that he told me when we when I like we were just there to visit family, and we went to the liquor store because we were going to get some, you know, liquor. And he told me that the liquor stores are state owned. I was like, "What in the world? Why?" That's that's jacked. Yeah. So they, it's like the state knows, (laughs) the state knows that everybody there likes to drink. So they're going to take advantage of it. So I don't know. It just, I don't get that at all. So basically if you work for a liquor store in Pittsburgh or anywhere. You're a government worker. Yeah. (laughs) That's ridiculous to me. It's also, I mean, to me, that would be just more reason for the government to incentivize people to, to, to be alcoholics because they get more money. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's almost like a, like a mob type of deal. You know, you own the car shop, you own the, you know, you own the, the place that sells the cars, you own the place that fixes the cars, you own the place that, you know, 
does the glass. I mean, that you just own all these businesses that you need this business to do this work and this work to get this business. And one person is getting all the money. I mean, which I guess in a free market, that would be okay, you know. But when the government does it, it kind of puts a legalized monopoly on it. Yeah. But one of the things that's so weird about uh, about that is I was when I was going to visit, I was thinking it was going to be kind of like when I lived in Chicago, you know, you go to the grocery store and you have, you could just go to the, the, they don't have any restrictions on where they sell anything. Like you can go to the grocery store and get all your stuff in one fail swoop. You can get your hardcore liquor, your wine, your beer, and your groceries all in the same place. And it was wonderful. And well, that's like uh, St. Louis and Missouri. Yeah. They they had, I walked into a gas station and there's liquor. There's Jack Daniels. Why not? At the gas station. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, hell yeah, this is cool as shit. But I mean, you wouldn't see this in Tennessee at all. No. But that's why I thought. I was like, I'm going to Pittsburgh, so they're going to be like that, you know, because they're a lot more liberal than we are. They, You can't even go to the grocery store and get liquor because they have to keep it in their, at least in Pittsburgh, they have to have it in their liquor stores so that the state the can get all the money. liquor stores. Yeah. God, it's like. It's like North Korea, kind of. It was weird. <laughs> yeah. Or, oh, I swear to God. <laughs> I don't know. So, anyways, we went on a tangent on that, but... Um, that happens. Yeah. So, basically, in Pennsylvania, you can lose your kids if you don't pay for their lunch money, or lunches, so... Um, that's how that got started. I can only... That's a little bit... That's that's overreach, in my opinion. Yeah. That's just, that's just no... But yeah, uh, I'm trying to think, you know, really the, the biggest thing that I think that most libertarians are justified in se- in being upset with DCS is, the, you know, when they get involved over little cases like that, I think that that makes complete sense to be upset about that. But w- I don't hear enough libertarians really talking about like, if you, if we, our tax dollars are going to be taken up, then do a better job of taking kids out of abusive homes. I'm sure that there are some libertarians or anarchists that make that argument. I just don't hear a lot of that. So that's my soapbox on that. Um, well, see, and the one thing I always get, I always, I've always said I'm, I, I'm not quite an anarchist, and I hate to use the term minarchist, but <laughs> it's like it's like it's like I'm I'm a I, I'm a minarchist that wants to be an anarchist. Yeah, yeah, but there's there's questions, you know. There's it's like, like like the one about DCS. If the, if if they're not going to do it, who does? It, it, it's the questions that I have that make me, that keep me from being one hundred percent Mad Max. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. And it's like, you know, and and, and I mean, because I try to look at things in a logical light, and as much as I say, you know, screw the government, I you know, I want them out of my life and everything. I'm there's times that I'm like. Well, if they didn't provide the service, who would? Which I'm I'm not trying to say that as as in some people would. You know, like, well, who's going to build the roads? You know, it's, <laughs> it's yeah, it's 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 a straight up you know question. Like, look, okay, I get it. I don't want them running this organization either. But how are we going to get it taken care of in a libertarian or anarchist society? And if I can get an answer, then that's what I'm looking for is an answer. I'm not look. I'm not asking those questions as a snarky little. You know, whatever. I'm just trying to figure out. Okay, well, I like that idea. Let's figure this out. You know. Yeah, I, I think um, I was just kind of thinking about how uh, 
I know I know people that have gone through the system to try and adopt children too. And, you know, here I am talking about like these parents that are abusing their kids and they can't and DCS won't step in and take the kids away. And then you have some of my friends who they can't have children of their own. They're trying to go and adopt locally for, you know, to bring home a child and they're getting drug tested. They're having their whole history looked into. Oh, yeah. I mean, they get investigated completely. But, you know, these parents, you can't even get DCS to even just go over there and do an interview, you know. Oh, yeah. I mean, I had to go through a whole lot of crap just to be a foster parent. And now that we're looking at adoption, you know, we have to go through some extra classes, uh, which we every year you have classes you have to take to just be a foster parent. And some of them are repeats, but like CPR class and stuff like that. But um, like when... But they don't make they don't make people. I never had to take a CPR class to have my children. And that is true. And I get I get where that's coming from too. I'm like you know, uh, but here's the question: It's like okay, well, are you trying to say that foster parents shouldn't have to go through that, or are you trying to say that regular parents should? Like they have to go through a, you know, a licensing process to 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 be able to pop out a little cro- uh, crotch goblin or not? You know, it's it's like. What, what, I mean, I don't, cause I know that, you know, question. if I was in charge of, if I was in charge of, of taking kids out of homes that are abusive and putting them in another homes, I would want to have some kind of process to make sure that the home they're going into is at least half sane. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it's, it's tough questions like that, that I constantly ask myself and you see a lot of libertarians and anarchists, they're just like, you know. They're just all about, oh, I don't want the government involved, the state, the state. I'm like, okay, I get that. I get that 100% with you. Let's go to the next step. How? How do we replace the state-run and the government-run programs with private programs? And I'm, I'm, you know, I'm cool with it. I'm just like, how do we do it? You know, what do we do? And a lot of people, when you ask them that, they're just like, oh, you're just trying to be a bootlicking statist, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, no, I'm just trying to ask you a damn question, you idiot. You know what I'm saying? Well, if we lived in our anarchist uh, utopia, Somalia, then maybe we could have, we just live in little groups. And then each each of our little communities would patrol their own communities. That would be ideal. But we don't live, we don't live there yet. (laughs) No, we don't. I mean, I would love to be able to just go, hey, look at my neighbor and be like, dude, you hit your kid again, I'm going to beat your ass, you know, and there wouldn't be no repercussions. You know, but I know now if I go over there and he's beating on his kid and I beat his ass up, I'm going to jail too for taking up for a kid. That used to be the way that they handled stuff back in the the day, though. You know, like I'm thinking of like uh, where I live. I don't know. Does is is your area of Tennessee considered like Appalachia? I don't think so. Not really. Because I mean, Tennessee, no. I think that that's how. Uh, that those communities, like the mountain folk, you know, that's how they they. They did their thing. It was like, if I see Johnny with a black eye again, I'm going to give you a black eye. You better get your shit together. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. That, that, Excuse I my like that way. French. <laughs> but, you know, I think well, I mean, that's how where I live, those though. communities used to, to survive because they were so remote and so far away that even if you called the police, you may not even get them there until it's too late. And, um, 
or the as if they could find it, or the police didn't want to show up. <laughs> well, see, there is like this neighborhood down the road that the cops used to never go to. I mean, it was uh, if you would say some some good old boys lived up there. Yeah, you know, and you know nobody went up there, and then finally they started making a whole lot of meth and stuff up there. So now they they're up there all the time. Oh, meth. Yeah, isn't it great? <laughs> I'm trying to think. Is um, is there anything else that you can think of that um, any other issues besides your um, headphones just <laughs> falling apart? Um, hold on a minute. His headphones just literally fell apart. I was gonna say, like, uh, is there anything else that you that you think uh, that you can think of? Because I pretty much think that that's all we can really say at this point. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just a bunch of. Bunch of and to me, it's always a bunch of as far as ideally goes, it's, it's questions that don't have an answer, you know. And that's what I would like to find is somebody with the answers. I mean, if we're going to talk about hypotheticals, I mean, I, I think that if we're going to be if our legal system really wants to combat like child sexual abuse and physical abuse, like we need to start. I mean, have you? I mean, I'm tired of seeing these cases where somebody who raped a child gets like a month in prison and then he gets off oh god yeah but we have people with wheat who get stuck with weed and they're in jail for like or prison for 20 years like that's bs why don't we switch that around i mean that's and that that's what that's where i think you, you run into problems with judges and stuff like that because they're not very consistent and you know you'll have it could have been a different judge that would give a harsher sentence or something like that i mean i've seen that happen Plenty of times, yeah. Where you know somebody goes to court for this and they get ten years, but somebody goes to court for that same thing in front of a different judge, and they get a, either a harsher or more lenient, you know, si- sentence. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people want to chalk it up to us because he was black. I'm like, no, because that judge is an asshole. That's why. Yeah, I know. In in uh, my town, we had a judge. Uh, there was a big case that happened here in um, in my hometown, and it was. Uh, one of the judges had to, he had to, he had to be removed because one of the uh, women that was on, she was uh, defending herself. It was a situation where like two kids got murdered, but the girl was known for selling drugs to the judge and he was sitting on her trial and it all came out oh, and he got, he got um, kicked out. So that means that like all the cases that he tried for drug offenses and similar things he he all of them had to be retried so oh yeah um they just i don't know that's another thing it's like the state um there's just they have too, it has too much power and it can be corrupted too easily and these judges they i think in some cases i'm now i'm just being a conspiracy theorist here but on some of these cases where they're um trying pedophiles i think some of these judges are pedophiles themselves and that's why they give such light sentences well, I could definitely see that. Um, and I w- and I know that there's plenty of now there's plenty of conspiracy theories out there about how DCS or CPS is just in the market for child sex trafficking because you know of all the cases like especially in the state of Florida there've been numerous kids that just disappeared. Oh yeah. Um. Yeah. That, that when I get to thinking about that too much, I mean, the problem is I watch shows like Criminal Minds all the time and. <laughs> I'm just like, Jesus Christ. I mean, like, the last one I watched is, like, people were kidnapping these people, these kids, and then selling them online. You know, of course, they brought up the Silk Road and mm-hmm. all this other crap. But 
you know, I'm just like, you know, there, there are people out there like that, that, you know, they'll, I mean, it was like normal everyday people. I mean, somebody like me sitting at home on a laptop looking at a for sale sign and for sale list and like bidding on people oh. and, but it's real, it's out there, Yeah. you know, and it's, I, I you know, we're, we're over here worried about, you know, stupid bullshit and well i think my in my experience um of just working in the psych hospital you know i saw the worst cases because they needed to be hospitalized so i mean i would see kids that um had stories that you just can't even fathom and we did for a while take in cases of kids who were um they were they were underage but they were charged with felonies so some of the, their stories and their backgrounds and where, where they came from, you, you're like, no wonder you committed a felony. You know, you lived, a ter- you had a horrible childhood. You still have a, oh, yeah. you know, and you're still a child. So that's terrible. Um, so there's, I don't know. Uh, the society itself has got to heal, I think. But um, I don't know when, if that will ever happen. I think it'll, uh, I don't know. I think it's something that's been going on for, as long as we've been here. Yeah. You know, slavery in one form or next, uh, you know, rape and pillage and stuff like that. And I know like whenever my mom, she used to work with, in, in one of those group homes mm-hmm. where they take children that, you know, either they don't want them going into another home. Hers was mainly drug and alcohol rehab mm-hmm. and they were all under 18. And the one case that stuck with me and I think I was about 13 or 14 when I went with her to go pick up her paycheck, you know, when I stayed up there during the summertime. And she was up in Pennsylvania. Oh, no. Yeah, no. And uh, that's where she lives now. Her and my brother and my sister live up there. But um, they, uh, I went with her to go pick up her paycheck one week. And I was talking to this girl. And, like, you know, I was, like I said, I was like 13. She, I think she was like, she was around my age, mm-hmm. you know. And, um. So, I mean, we just sit there and we just talked, you know, we, we talked about, you know, st- you know, current events and stuff like that, you know, what teenagers talk about. And, uh, you know, being me, I was throwing a little flirting in there too, you know, <laughs> why not? <laughs> and, uh, I mean, I was the only dude in a building full of teenage chicks. What better you know, place was... to pick up a chick than at a group home? <laughs> hey, I didn't understand the level of what was going on there. Oh, oh God! <laughs> I mean, looking back on it now, I was like, "Dang!" But you know, back then, I really didn't understand what my mama did. It's a good thing that did not work out. <laughs> oh well, yes, <laughs> and especially since I have, I had like the um, what do you call that syndrome where you think you can fix everybody type of crap. Yeah, that's what I had as a teenager. <laughs> you know, I, I always wanted like the messed up chick so I could try to make them feel better or something. I don't know what the hell that was all about. But uh, problem is, is I attracted some of the messed up chicks. But, um, no, this, this girl and I, you know, we were leaving and I told mama, I was like, you know, she's pretty cause she was pretty, you know, and she, I said, you know, what, what my question is, what's she in for? Like, what'd she do? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And, uh, well, it turns out that that would have been, that had been her second or third time in that group home because when she was nine years old, her parents, her dad and her mom, and I want to make that clear, her dad and mom used to pimp her out mm, God. for money for, for cocaine and heroin. And, you know, they kept her drugged up too. So 
and that's what they did. And, you know, of course, then I, then is when I understood what mama did. Yeah. You know, I, I hadn't, I didn't really understand what those girls were doing there. I thought maybe they just, you know, vandalized. I thought it was like a juvie center type of deal. And that was cool with me because I was like, hey, <laughs> bad chicks. But, you know, <laughs> but it wasn't the case. You know, these, these, these kids had some really bad shit happening to them. Yeah, it's and, just, it's, it's, I had to stop. That's why I, I tell people all the time, I don't want to work with kids anymore, at least for now, because um, I spent a long time working with kids, about seven years or so, and I've heard the hor- worst horrible stories you could ever imagine. Um, I couldn't do it. And you get to a point where you just need to, you need to get away from it because it will just, you know, tear you apart inside. I mean, I don't know if I would have had kids if I was still working <laughs> there. It's, it's it's horrible some of these things, and a lot of people a lot of people don't fully understand mm-hmm. because they've never had to. They've heard stories, but they've never met the kids. They've never none of that crap. And like when I heard that about her, I would go back with Mama and and go pick up her paycheck. But I had a more better understanding of why she was there. Yeah. And so, you know, even at 13, I cut the flirting back a whole lot. <laughs> and I just, you know, and I just talked to her, you know, because she didn't have nobody. You know, she had those girls in that home. I mean, granted, it felt good when I walk in there and these girls ain't seen a, a boy in like forever. <laughs> and I, I'm kind of like strutting in there like, you know. <laughs> like, like I'm like, like Brad Pitt. <laughs> Dang, I'm right. I was like. And I was like, "Hello, ladies!" But then once once I find out what they were, why they were really there, then I was like, "Oh, okay, maybe I need to knock it down a peg or two. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But it is it's rough. Yeah, and I I think that maybe one of the things that we can do as uh, libertarians and anarchists is, you know, we can try to be just I don't know, love our kids. You know, oh take yeah, take care of our own kids. Um. Me and Maddie talked about on one of our episodes about, you know, having kids, like overpopulation is a myth and all that stuff. But if you have kids, love your kids, nurture your kids, take care of your kids so they they don't have to be in the system. And at the same time, watch out for each other as well. Um, I mean, if you got kids, don't pimp them out to feed your cocaine habit. That's that's like that should be common knowledge. Yeah. (laughs) Sell yourself. Like, that's what I don't understand. Yeah, I was saying, be a, be a <laughs> prostitute. Don't prostitute your, don't pimp your kids. Be a prostitute yourself. Uh, exactly. <laughs> See, that's all we're saying is just be a prostitute yourself. That's yes. moral of the story. Okay. Let's <laughs> end it here. <laughs> oh, Lord have mercy. Now, um, really, I think that's pretty much where we can end it. Is there anything else you want to say on that? Not really. Just uh, I think we covered everything, I reckon. All right. So one of the things that we we do on our show is um, we do a Stunning and Brave corner. Is there anybody that you want to recognize as Stunning and Brave? Like ironically? Like real, like really Stunning and Brave. Not ironically. Oh, you know, you know the person I've been talking about on Facebook for the past week or so. Tulsi Gabbard. Oh, <laughs> oh yep. Oh, my God. I, I love the way she just. But slammed Hillary Clinton. Yeah, that was pretty sweet. I I will give you that. <clears throat> I um, gave a prop to Tim Dillon, the comedian on uh, on Instagram, for getting Hillary too, because um, Hillary talked about how when she was a child, she oh she 
sent a letter to NASA and they they said they aren't taking women or something. And God, he got her so good. He was like, there were some little girls that were on the plane with your husband. <laughs> you guys, I love that. <laughs> y'all need to check out that uh, our Instagram because it's full of good stuff. Um, anyways, David, where can um, our listeners find you? Uh, you can find me pretty much anywhere. Uh, Facebook, The Morning Drive with David. Um, of course, subscribe to the podcast, um, The Morning Drive with David. Uh, Instagram at, oh, Instagram. Yeah, it's The Morning Drive Podcast. Okay. That's what that is. And then uh, Twitter, I think, is uh, Drive with David or something. If you go look at um, the Vixen's Twitter followers, you'll find me on there. Okay. Yeah, we're uh, mostly active on um, Instagram at Voluntary Vixens Podcast on Instagram. And then we're immediately not really all that active on um, Twitter, but I try to be in spurts. Um, And we're at Vixens Voluntary on um, Twitter. And uh, we have a Patreon that's Vixens underscore voluntary. And then, of course, we have voluntaryvixens at gmail.com if you want to email me and tell me how wrong and stupid I am on anything. Um, then, uh, I don't know, anything else? Oh, oh voluntaryvixens at um, Facebook, too. And I guess that's pretty much it. Yeah. All right. I ain't got nothing else. All right. Well, thank you, David, for coming in and filling in for Maddie today. Thank you for having me. That was some awfully big shoes to fill that I don't think I did right, but... I I love y'all. Y'all are cool. All right. Well, thank you guys for listening. Bye.